Hello and welcome to The Second Row and episode four of the lockdown. And joining me from his apartment on the other side of Dublin is Ushin. How are you getting on? I've been locked indoors for a month, Porik, and sport doesn't exist anymore. I'm slowly going insane is how I'm getting on. That's 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 fair. I'm just watching sports movies constantly, so I get that fix. That's not a bad idea. I might watch The Blind Side this weekend. The Blind Side. I like Remember the Titans, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, American football definitely lends itself to the cinema a little bit more than rugby. Like, what do we have? Inception, or not Inception, the one with um, the one with your man who isn't even from Inception. What movie am I talking about? <laughs> I've completely forgotten the name of it. Morgan Freeman and Matt Damon. It's not Insurrection. That's a different movie again. Oh, God. That's brilliant. No, seriously. What's happening? <laughs> South Africa. Invictus. Ah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, you can, see, you can see how I got that wrong, right? Yes. In a so way. anyway, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio is great in Invictus, um, and you know I liked the bit where they turned the world upside down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, rugby just isn't Ooh, to- topical. <laughs> rugby just really isn't cinematic at all. No, rugby isn't the most cinematic of of sports, but at least you know there's some good old games being shown. A couple of the old, you know, the Miracle Match, Monster versus Gloucester, Monster versus Sale, getting streamed live. And I think BT was showing a couple of games as well, because at this point they really have, you know, nothing else to show. Yeah, and the Pro 14 have like released all of like most of last season's games on Pro 14 TV just to be viewed whenever you want. So people are getting a bit more creative and trying to engage supporters. Well, speaking of creative, the one thing that happened this week that was, you know, creative in inverted commas, by which I mean a clown fiesta, was this whole, you know, rugby club World Cup happening every four years, alternating with the, you know, International Test World Cup, which is insane. I I, I can't tell you how much I dislike that this idea. Well, you were all over like Twitter and Instagram about this with, with you know, the general... This just makes rich clubs richer, poor clubs poorer. But that's before you think about even the player angle. How are you supposed to fly players across the world for these games, or or how, like how is it even going to run? Like short of them all playing, short of this always being played in South Africa or the Northern Hemisphere, where it works for time zones for TV, and they do a World Cup and a pools in one country. It just makes no logistical sense. The strain on players bodies doing all that travel if it was that way would be immense and then the cost on fans to try and see their own team would be ridiculous well it also comes back to something we'll talk about later like how much would winning this competition actually mean like there's no history it's not the heineken cup it's not the six nations it's not something anyone has any real investment in and it's quite clearly just a money spinning exercise oh completely and don't get me wrong world rugby do have an opportunity in this time to fix and reshape the world calendar. And that's a bigger conversation that does need to happen. And now that tournament... That'd be been... awesome. Like, every every tournament is suspended. Come back in and reset everything on your new global calendar. Ping. Done. Yeah. Like, this. That that's the smart idea. And then you can actually help build other nations. There just seems to be this vibe of, let's get as much money out of the teams that like rugby. Instead of making more countries like rugby and getting more money from a broader base it comes from the rochambeau school of like business models like let's just continue kicking each other in the balls until something clever falls out yeah it just isn't smart and isn't in any way helpful to 
anyone. I mean, I think that's on their business cards at World Rugby, though. So, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? On the other um, side, and people actually being helpful, uh, John Cooney has been giving interactive kiss. Uh, John Cooney's been giving interactive place kicking sessions on Instagram, like just small tips and Q and A sessions while he's doing his own kicking practice between two trees in a park. <laughs> that's brilliant. Just kind of talking through the process and stuff. Talking through the process, even just showing that he's doing this after his fitness sessions so he's practicing for that 80 minute kick nice that's that makes sense i think jerry flannery has come out of like retirement as a you know line out throw in coach having uh having just been voted onto monsters all-time team of the uh team of the professional era on social media which genuinely has me checking the monster supporters club twitter every day <laughs> what i thought was really good was craig casey's even doing some isolation passing skills you know that's incredible for such a young player exactly like everybody can have a go with this and i think like the fact that social media is so widely available and democratized and everybody has a smartphone you know, you're, you're seeing all sorts of creative stuff coming in, like between Johnny O'Connor's fitness videos, um, <laughs> where at least he's back in a tracksuit this week as opposed to doing it in a tux, which is very weird. It was brilliant, though. <laughs> I guess. And there's some sort of like a burpee challenge going around that I saw like a couple of clips of this week. Yeah, Damien Brown, you know, played for Connacht and Leinster and rode a boat around the world on his own set up a 14-day burpee challenge where you do one minute of burpees per day and it's just hilarious Bundyaki is on day 14 I don't think he's done fitness like this in his life he's just dying for minutes <laughs> 12 to 13 and what's really That's nice about funny. it is he's showing his struggle I know that might sound silly but showing that struggle from a professional player just gives that boost of like this is meant to be hard this is difficult but I can I can finish it because I'm a professional player. Hmm. <laughs> well, no, but if a professional player is going to struggle, of course you're going to struggle. So just, you know, you can I get through it. I would be dead. I would be very dead. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of more inclined, like I'm watching back some of the old footage um, and thinking about the law changes that are going to come in. Like 5022, I was watching some of the, the Monster Sale highlights and some of the kicks that O'Gara drills into the corner. Like, it would be unbelievable. Like Munster would have back in the O'Gara day lineouts whenever we wanted them in the opposition, like <laughs> five meter line. It's phenomenal. Yeah, and I know that it's meant to be a counterbalance that blitz defence that England are very much renowned renowned for at the moment. But all I see is you're giving more freedom to a defence to just smash one player because that one player is gonna now be even more pivotal. Yeah, I think it's going to, that, that immediate just outside the rock line speed is going to be important. But then when you've got players, you know, in the game, the likes of Elliot Daly, Simon Zebo, you know, Damien Penault for, for France, who can just step back another 10 metres in the pocket and, and kick the ball 60, 70, 80 metres. Like that's before you get to the Francois Staines of this world. It, you know, I don't think it'll make a huge difference. And what it will do is it'll create a little bit more space between defenders uh, because you're going to have to have at least two and probably three players covering the backfield so that you don't get penalised. So that does mean that, you know, a skip pass can unlock a defence. You can get outside the edge a little bit easier or, or there might just be, you know, a little more space between players for, for a quick centre to burst through. Well, most defences tend to use that pendulum defence where there's two players back and a winger kind of, when it, as one winger moves forward on one wing, the other one drops back on the other. So 
that's kind of in play at the moment as it is. That outside winger and that outside channel defence will become even harder to defend because they'll have a lot more thinking to do. And that's going to really test players. I think it'll test players' skill sets, the likes of, you know, Rob Carney and Lee Halfpenny, who can read a game extremely well and and they can see where stuff is shaping up, will be invaluable. But you're going to need two of them, not one of them now, because, you know, you need two players at that elite level to cover your backfield kind of nearly at all times. Uh, I think it's going to create more space, but it will be interesting to watch as as teams evolve. Because honestly, if you don't have a good kicking 10 or 12 or 15, like if you don't have someone who can, you know, put that kick on a sixpence, then this rule is irrelevant to you. And <laughs> you know, you'll just you'll yeah. just get you'll get blitzed anyway. <laughs> True. I I see a lot more kicks from twelve happening because that forces wingers to come up and create space in the backfield without setting up through dropping someone an extra ten meters back so you can get the distance on their kick or give them time to kick. Interestingly, I don't think it'll have a huge effect on, you know, the scrum half game because box kicks are going to continue to be the same, only that the backfield might already have a player in it. But I I don't see it having a huge amount of effect on that. And that's been a real criticism of the game, you know, from a spectator perspective, that ruck ball is much slower, that, you know, box kicking is becoming the main way to exit from your 22. I guess it's not trying to fix that problem, but it certainly doesn't do anything to fix that problem. No, but I do think World Rugby, like we talked about last week, kind of going ref the breakdown as it is and kind of honing in on the laws that are there for the breakdown should speed up the breakdown and will possibly fix that scrum half problem. I think if they just called use it a lot quicker and get that five seconds happening a lot sooner, that'll help in itself. That's true. Hopefully, anyway. Sorry, that's true. Is um is like the catchphrase in Mad Men in like season three, and I found myself saying it the whole second time since. <laughs> yes, you are now in box set mode for your isolation. You're not wrong. And one thing I can't binge through this year is the Six Nations because it didn't finish, left on a cliffhanger. <laughs> But it did remind me of some of the better Six Nations that, you know, we've had over the last couple of years. And I think that's what we wanted to talk about today. Within our bunch of friends, you know, for, for, for the month of January, everyone is excited about their favourite holiday, aren't they, Porik? Yeah, it's Sixmas. Everyone, in the last couple of years, the designated Sixmas has become a real thing where when the Six Nations is rolling around, that's what it's described as. And I don't know where it came from, but it's definitely a relatively new term. I, I think it might be a Ross O'Carroll Kellyism. <laughs> I really do. That's certainly the first place that I saw it. But you know, it's it's a real it's a real vibe. You know, you're going to bed on Sixmas Eve, getting your fantasy Six Nations team ready to go, all excited. And if you're me, you then forget about the Six Nations team for the rest of the tournament. <laughs> yeah, you 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 and uh, you and our friend Jason are notorious for having a good first weekend and then just forgetting how to play the game completely, or forgetting to play the game completely. Both good, both good options. I mean, still my favourite fantasy Six Nations memory was where my mum joined in and like joined a league with like me, some of my friends, my dad, and um, and beat all of us. And I I, st- I still to this day have no idea how. <laughs> all your rugby knowledge against this person. We were furious. <laughs> like I, I was just about, you know, I knew it was basically just the universe of random chance conspiring to get me. Like Obviously, that's an exaggeration. My mum is a big rugby fan, but she doesn't know all of the details. Um, but yeah, she made us look like chumps. 
She's still very proud of that one. Well, you need to get her a trophy just so she can really um, have that victory for life. Actually, we should totally do a trophy for the Fantasy Six Nations League next year. That'd be good crack. I would love to get a trophy made for like a Pro 14 Fantasy League and a Six Nations Fantasy League, all that type of crack. I don't have the attention span for a uh, for a full league season. That's one of the reasons I never got into it from a soccer point of view as well. It's it's tough going, I have to say. But like behind all that, there are the occasions that the Six Nations does bring. And I think one of my big Six Nations memories will always be that 2009 Grand Slam. You know, it's funny. That's not one that stands out for me. Like, I know it was huge. It was historic. I, and I remember, you know, the drop goal, like the wounded duck of a drop goal going over against Wales. But <laughs> the rest of that season doesn't really stand out in the same way. That was almost the opposite to the Johnny Sex, or the the most the 2018 Grand Slam, where the drop kick started the journey and didn't end it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, two two very different drop goals as well. Very, very, very much so. I I, I remember for the, in 2009, I was in the apartment you lived in in Galway. Oh right, watching that match with Mick, our friend, and. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, and we were celebrating it in the sitting room and we looked over to the balcony opposite and there were three lads celebrating in their living room. <laughs> it was just one of those moments <laughs> that lives in my memory of like us cheering, looking out the window, seeing them cheer, cheering with them, then cheering back at the TV. It was just a little moment that just always stays with me because it was just I had incredible. completely forgotten that. That's so funny. Poor, poor Mick. I always used to, like the worst thing I ever did to Mick was every time he'd leave, like he'd cook dinner, and I'd regularly come home like from the pub after a couple of drinks, and he would have left some so that he could have it for lunch the next day. It would very rarely be there the following morning. He did hate you for that. <laughs> yeah, reasonably so. That wasn't even the biggest party we had in that apartment. The biggest party we had in that apartment was the night of the uh, the U.S. election. I think it was. It must have been when Obama got elected the first time where the police were called um, because of the noise when we were cheering when he won every state at like four o'clock in the morning. I remember hearing about that, actually. That was uh, that was hilarious. Yeah, that was funny. But on more rugby-related matters, I think like my memories for the Six Nations and kind of the, the big Six Nations memory that I have is actually Super Saturday in 2015 where... Do you remember, like every after every game, like the result was was in doubt as to who would win the Six Nations. Everybody was coming in able to get four wins. I think we were up. Were we up first or second? We were up. That day? We were up second. So Wales had won their game, so they were in the lead. That's right. And then and then we they, we had a score against I think it was Italy where we had to get like fifty or sixty points or which something. which we did and do. We did, and then we were in the lead. And then I, I, still, I still remember, like, all France had to do was put the ball into touch. And do you remember they, they tried to run it out of their five-meter line? I do. And everyone going <laughs> mental. Kick it out. What are you doing? Just kick the ball out. I was in a pub in Galway, and I'd been there to get a good <laughs> table since 12 o'clock. <laughs> nice. So by the time that French kick happened... Not only did I not know the math, even though people are still telling me around me, I had no idea what was going on until the final whistle and the table came up. And then I realized we had won. Amazing. There was one French person in the bar that day. I bet he was popular. He didn't buy a drink. <laughs> Amazing. For the next two days. <laughs> That's so good. That's such a Galway story. 
we were in um we were in Dublin in uh, in a bar on Mount Street and there was a gang of maybe 15 of us who'd been there through the whole day um and I just remember like kind of the rounds after rounds to celebrate uh, it was just incredible just the drama and the tension of it was amazing like the six nations could not have have planned a better finale well you could clearly tell with the scheduling that's what they're hoping for again this year very much so and i think everybody was kind of teeing up to try and give them that but then you know coronavirus had different uh, had a different plan yeah look the six nations has always been about people gathering like we've dubbed your house screen 14 because that's where (laughs) i go for six nations now that's just my automatic thing of the six nations game on What's Ushing doing? And is Ushing's house available? <laughs> True. And that's that's led into some very impromptu, like long nights playing like playing cards or cards against humanity or or just talking nonsense until late in the evening. There was that time we watched a whole box set. I think we watched the first season of The Good Place after one of the days of the Six Nations one year. And that was one of my proudest moments to introduce that to so many people. <laughs> after a day of watching Shane Horgan on comms, I needed a laugh. Definitely, but as good as your house parties are, there is something not quite the same as being there. And like I've been to a few games in the last couple of years. I've somehow managed to get my hands on tickets through friends. In 2018, I was at the Wales match and I, I was there for Stockdale's Intercept. Oh, nice. Actually, oh, sorry. I was at every home game that year. I got tickets through through people. That was just a random year. I got every home game. That never happens to me. I think that's the most Irish games I've been to in one season. <laughs> I I was just thinking. I think I've I think I've seen every every opponent in the Six Nations. Like I I kind of it's hard because like my memory for the Six Nations goes back years. Like I used to go up to them when I was in school in Wexford with my dad, um, getting tickets through the school. And like I I remember vividly like being in the schoolboy section, which was just on the old South Terrace in Lansdowne. Um, and like we do, we used to sneak hit my my dad in with um, kind of an adult terrace ticket, but he just kind of he'd stand at the back of the schoolboy section so that we could kind of talk about the game. Um, and we used to like there was like a, a tradition of it. We'd drive up from Wexford, um, get as far as Booterstown, park in Booterstown in the Dart Station, go across to the Punch Bowl, and like he'd grab a pint. Um, I obviously wasn't drinking at that stage um so i'd get like a seven up or something we'd grab some food and then get the the dart into the stadium it was amazing like it was just that was it's a huge part of 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 my early rugby memories was was driving up to the six nations to those games and the great thing about the six nations is it will create memories for generations to come and hope that was the five nations actually sorry just thinking oh you're old now oh yeah <laughs> so like any of our younger listeners are like someone explain what just happened what's going on what five 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 what yeah italy used to not be a part and there was a yeah. time where france weren't a part yep that's why that's why the triple crown existed the triple crown used to be the grand slam that's it that's a far more wholesome memory than i'd have of you in my in my years now and it's a far cry from seven up you're drinking these days but uh, that's probably fair. I mean, I I do remember one year that um, myself and and one of the guys that I work with, Kean, had got tickets through work to go, and um, we ended up. I think I had been dying with a hangover when he met me in in Rathmines. But we got to the stadium, and one of the partners uh, from our from our firm were there, uh, and bless him, he didn't let us buy a drink for the entire day. He was there with a mate of his, and we fell out of the stadium. I think I I I think it was Italy that we were playing, but honestly, 
that's it's a vague recollection. Yeah, uh, probably it was Italy because I, I met you outside the stadium, and you didn't have a clue. Did you? Yes. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Oshin. I mean, this all this all this all checks out. <laughs> and you didn't have an idea where you're coming or going, and you're like, "We haven't had to pay for a drink. You should come. He'll pay yours too." <laughs> oh God, that's awful. I mean, that's that's kind of like the day when. I ended up like switching sports for a second. We were at the All Ireland and had a had a very uh, boozy day. And well, I was supposed to go and meet people in a pub like thirty feet away from my house. And uh, my flatmate came in about four hours after I was supposed to meet everybody there, and I had fallen asleep face down in a beanbag. I honestly am surprised that you're alive at times. <laughs> it's a proud moment proud moment <laughs> and i suppose we, we should mention because yourself myself and a bunch of friends made a commitment a couple of years ago that we try and get to a lot more women's rugby and some of my favorite memories in recent years have been the women's games in donnybrook just watching that team evolve and, and watching some absolute stars come through yeah and both of us are huge advocates of the women's game i think that's a great thing for us to talk about next week when we're back Sounds good to me. In the meantime, if there's anything else that you want us to talk about, hit us up on Twitter or on Instagram. We're at the second row. That's 2ND, not the word second. Um, and let us know. Hopefully, you guys are finding these lockdown episodes to be an amusing distraction. That They certainly are for me. <laughs> me too. And I'll be back on Monday with another interview. Uh, don't forget, this podcast is literally everywhere from Apple Podcast, Acast, SoundCloud, Stitcher. You name it, it is there. So don't forget to like, share and subscribe. So until Monday, stay safe. And until Friday, Oshin, good luck. Thanks, Phil. Take care.